Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and worship you tonight. Lord, we pray that as we read your word here in a moment, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would speak to us, and Lord, that we would leave this place changed forever by the message of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would speak to every single one of us, and Lord, that we would focus in on the next few minutes. Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to what you have for us tonight. Lord, we love you so much. Your son's name I pray. Amen. How's it going, y'all? Okay, yeah, we've been better. I get it. Man, well, I'm excited to be here at least. Um, I'm excited that you're here. If you do not know who I am, uh, my name is Chase Sanders. I am the new college pastor here at First. Um, super excited to be, oh yeah, don't, please, uh, anything but that. Uh, but man, I am so excited to be here, and it's such a blessing to be with you guys tonight as we begin a new series through the book of Colossians. Uh, we're going to be looking at the series entitled, Christ Above All, Christ Above All. But before we dive into this book, I just want to kind of give you all a little background about the book of Colossians. So Colossians was written by Paul and Timothy. They are apostles. But unlike most epistles that Paul's write, he did not actually start this church. Uh, This church was started by one of his apostles, one of his converts that he met in Ephesus. So Paul really doesn't have any hands-on relationship with this church outside of his disciple, his person that, felt, that came to know Jesus, and Epaphras, who is the person who started this church. So Epaphras comes to Paul in Rome as he's imprisoned, like he mostly is when he's writing a letter, and he says to him, hey, this church at Colossae, they're doing really well. They have faith, they have hope, they have love, but there's some hard stuff coming at them. There's some difficult teachings, some false teachings that they're facing. One of these is mysticism, which is just a fancy word for like they were worshiping angels and stuff, um, which was not biblical. It was not in the gospel. Um, And the other side of the teaching was legalism. So they had these two very different approaches that were kind of hammering them on either side. So Epaphras, he pleads the help of Paul, and he says, hey, can you write them a letter? Can you write them a letter to encourage them and to exhort them in order that they can follow Christ more? So that they can be firmly founded in Christ. Throughout this book, we see a major theme that comes up over and over again, and that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. He's not Lord over some. He's not Lord over just a few things. We see over and over and over again how Paul writes that Jesus Christ is Lord over all of creation. And if you come to a relationship with him, he is also Lord of your whole life. So as we study this book, that's kind of the background of where we're going. That's what Paul is writing for. That's why he is penning this letter. So we're going to start in verse 1. Colossians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. 
and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So like most letters that Paul writes, he begins with a greeting, basically just saying, hey, my name's Paul, I'm writing this letter. And then he goes into the thanksgiving section, which is just a way to encourage the church and say, this is all the good things that I have heard about you. And the church at Colossae, they're actually doing really well, which isn't always the case for one of these churches that Paul's writing to. But they're doing really well. They're exhibiting faith, hope, and love, as we saw in those verses. And these are three of the main Christian virtues that Paul writes about over and over again in his letters. They're three of the main Christian virtues that Christ teaches about on his time at earth. So these people were doing really well in their faith. They knew who Jesus was, and they were following him. But they had something going on, right? They had some difficulties that they were about to face. So Paul not only thanks God for what he has already done in them through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has given them new life, and at this point, 30 years after the death of Christ, has spread throughout the all-known world at this time. He now says, I am not going to let you stay there. Even though you are doing really well in your faith, I am not going to leave you there. I'm going to encourage you to grow towards maturity. I'm going to encourage you to grow towards Christ-likeness. Not just to do good things, but to truly follow after Christ with their whole lives. So I have a question for y'all. Did anyone here make New Year's resolutions? No? A few? Okay, cool. I make them just kind of as a joke at this point in my life because I know I'm not going to keep them. Uh, But man, New Year's resolution in theory are a really good thing, right? You're starting fresh, right? Like it's a new year. You're like, man, last year wasn't my year. Uh, I'm going to do some things better this year, right? So you set goals. Um, You say, man, I'm going to work out three to four to five times a week. I don't know. I haven't done it. Uh, I said three times this week. I've done one. So like we're on track maybe. Um, But like we want to eat better, right? What does that even mean? Uh, I don't know anymore. So we want to eat better. We want to work out more. We want to make better grades maybe. Uh, Maybe we want to not look at social media so much, right? Like, there's all of these things which are all good things, right? It's because we have reached a new year, a new time in our lives to where we can say, hey, the old me is gone, the new me is here, right? Like, 2022 is going to be my year. So my question to follow up my other question is how often do you look at your life and say, okay, what spiritual goals can I set this year? What goals can I set in my life so that I will grow in the faith this year? We're very quick to say, hey, I need to work out more. I need to eat more. I need, or eat better, probably not more. Um, I need to eat better, right? Like I need to not, not have as much junk in my life. But how often do we truly look at our lives and say, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ this year. I want to take some time to truly pursue Christ this year. Maybe you're like the church at Colossae. Maybe you're in the room and you feel like you're doing pretty good. Like your church attendance is 80% or better, um, so you're you're feeling good about yourself, right? Maybe you had your quiet time this week, and that's great. These people were following Christ well. But Paul wants them to understand that you are not there yet. That they were not there and you are not there yet. So Paul prays three specific things as he continues in this prayer in the next few verses in this passage. Let's pick up in verse 9. He says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In this prayer of, that Paul has for the church at Colossae, he challenges them to be three things. He challenges them to, to be filled with the knowledge of his will, as we see in verse 9. And just like they are to be filled in the knowledge of his will, we are as well. After concluding this thanksgiving of saying, hey, y'all did really well in all of these things, he prays to them that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in their own life. This seems like a very big task, right? A lot of us have prayed that we would know God's will, right? That we would know God's will in certain situations, that we would know his will as we choose a major or a job or a relationship or where we're going to move after college or whatever it might be. Often we seek God's will and we say, I have no clue how to find it. Paul prays that they would be completely filled with this wisdom. That they would be filled with true wisdom and understanding that comes from Christ alone. That they would be filled with wisdom that has been given to them through the life of Jesus Christ. So often we seek the will of God by saying, hey Lord, show me your will. Yet we fail to understand that he has given us his will in this book right here. He has revealed his will to us in order that we can know him more. So in order to be filled to the brim, as this word means, to the knowledge of God's will, we must first spend time with him. We must spend time in his word. We must place ourselves in positions to hear from him. And he has already given us a whole book about who he is. So the question is, as we seek God's will, do we seek God's word? As we seek him and to speak into our life, as followers of him, do we devour the word that he has given to us? Is it a knowledge that fills us up to when we read scripture, we are encouraged by it? That we go to the word craving it because we understand what it truly is. We understand that this wisdom and understanding that we have in Scripture is not just a regular wisdom and understanding, but it is a life-changing wisdom and understanding that will completely transform your life into His likeness. In order to discover God's will in our own life, in order to know Him and to know more of Him, we have to spend more time with Him. We have to place ourselves in positions to hear His word. We need to place ourselves in positions to read his word, to spend time studying his word, to be with him in order that he can fill us up. But the truth is, it doesn't end there. Often for many of us, it ends there. We might have a great knowledge of who God is. We might have a great knowledge of theology and the New Testament and all of these things. But the question is, what do we do with that knowledge? 
As we see in verse 10, he challenged them not only to be filled with the knowledge of his will, but we are to walk in a gospel-worthy manner. Verse 10 says this. I'm actually going to pick up halfway through verse 9. It says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul wants to make us, make us understand something very clearly. Knowledge is not the end goal of the Christian life. Knowing more about God is not the end goal of the Christian life. Yes, absolutely, it's a starting point. Yes, absolutely, it's something that we need to do as followers of Christ. But if our knowledge does not translate into our actions, what good is our knowledge? Is anyone in the room going to med school that, like, that's your plan? A few people? Awesome. I'm proud of y'all. Uh, I could never. Um, but, man, med school's insane to me. Just, like, they spend four years more in school, right? And, like, that's not even the end. Then they spend three more, sorry, I'm not trying to, like, get you out of med school. Like, you keep going, you got this. But then, after learning four years worth of stuff, like, they can't be doctors, right? They get through med school, but they can't be doctors yet. Because they have to go through this thing called residency. And this is a three to seven year experience um, of, if you're, like, very specific, it's seven years. Most of them, it's three of where they follow around doctors, they get more responsibility in order that they can truly practice medicine. Because at the end of the day, I don't want a doctor who just knows a lot about biology or anatomy or diseases or pathology or any of those other words that I don't really understand. Like, I don't necessarily want a doctor who just knows all that stuff. I want a doctor who has done that stuff. Right, these people, they gain a lot of knowledge but a doctor that does not know how to, to give a patient a diagnosis, a doctor that does not know how to truly treat a patient, is not a very good doctor. So they spend all of this time walking through the residency, learning how to truly do the things that they've already learned, like to actually to put it into place. Because like med school, they are like us, we understand that Knowledge only has such a limit of our own lives, right? Knowledge is just a part of it. If we don't place that knowledge into action, our knowledge is kind of useless. Paul is writing to this church and saying, you should be filled to the knowledge of God's will. But he doesn't stop there. He says, so as you can walk in a way fully pleasing to him. And in every good work, that you would bring good fruit to the Father. This is something that I think is extremely challenging to us today. In a culture that is Christian here in North Louisiana, we understand who Jesus is. We understand a lot about him. But until we truly know who he is and follow after him, our lives are not going to be what they're designed to be. We have to know more about him that will change our lives into following him faithfully on every moment of our life. Paul makes it abundantly clear here that following Christ is not something that you can do sporadically. Following Christ is not something you can just do on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. 
Following Christ means you give every single moment of your life over to him. And the knowledge that you gain from spending time with him should be transforming your life so that you can live a life completely fulfilling or filling to him. That you can live a light that is completely pleasing to him. We cannot be Christians that just have head knowledge, that just know more and more about Jesus. We need to be Christians that are truly following who he is. When people look at our lives, they should know that we know Jesus based on how we live, not just what we say. People should know that our lives are different because we are letting the word of God transform us from the inside out. We need to begin to apply the knowledge that we have about Christ. Because at the end of the day, if we know all that we need to know about the Bible, yet we are failing to live it, we are just being disobedient. We are Christians who know a lot about stuff, but are failing in the call and the commission that he has given us. So are we truly giving every moment of our life, every action, every conversation, everything we look at, everything we watch on TV, every relationship that we have, are those things being given to His glory? Or is there something in our life that is not fully pleasing to Him? Are there many things in our life that are not fully pleasing to him? Again, this letter was written to the church at Colossae who looked really good. But at the end of the day, Paul knew that they could do better. That they could follow Christ more. Which brings us to our third point tonight. That we are to be strengthened for endurance. We see this in 11 through 14. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Man, this last part of Paul's prayer is the most powerful to me. Because he looks at them, he's called them to be filled in the knowledge of God's will. He's called them to walk in a way that is fully pleasing to God. That everything they do would bring him pleasure, that would bring him glory. And then he ends the prayer by saying that they need to be strengthened for endurance. They need to be strengthened in order that they can continue to follow Christ when things get difficult. That they can continue to follow Christ when their life doesn't look the way that it was supposed to look. They are to continue to follow him and bring him glory even when their world is falling apart. They are to be strengthened for endurance. Because we understand that if we are a Christian in this room, that we are going to face trials and difficulties. We are going to face things that are hard. Christ promises that to us. So the question, the question is, what do we do when we get there? And how can we accomplish all of these things? And the truth is in the rest of these verses. The only way that we can be strengthened for endurance, 
The only way that we can walk in a way that brings God glory, the only way that we can be filled with the knowledge of God's will is if that we truly know what Jesus has done for us, that we truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ because it all starts with what Jesus has done for us. Even if we do all the right things and don't know Jesus, we've missed it because Jesus recognized our shortcomings. He recognized our failures because we as in humanity has failed to meet the standard that God set for us. And by failing to meet the standard that he set, we have now a broken relationship with God. But he wasn't going to leave us there. He sent his son who is both fully God and fully man so that he would come to this earth as a baby. Just like we celebrated a couple weeks ago at Christmas. He came here in order that he would live a perfect life, meeting the standard that God set, bridging the gap between God and man. And not only did he live a perfect life, but he died the death that we deserved. He died the death that our sins deserved to die for. He chose to follow his father in order that we could have a relationship with him. He gave it all for us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that he has for us. And not only did he die for us by giving us an opportunity to come to know the Father, but he rose again three days later from the grave, proving his deity, proving that he was God, proving that he was who he said he was, that he was the Son of God. And through his resurrection, we know that we can conquer sin and death too. All we must do is repent from our sinfulness, repent from our darkness, and turn and place our faith in Jesus Christ. Only through that act of placing our faith in him can we do anything that Christ calls us to do. Because if our foundation is somewhere outside of Jesus, our foundation is going to fall apart. As soon as times get tough, as soon as life doesn't look the way that we thought it was going to look. But we as Christians, if we have a relationship with Christ, we are to press on. We are to pursue holiness no matter at what cost. Because we understand that we have not met our end goal yet. That we are continue, to continue to be obedient. Our strength our patience, our endurance, they all come from what Christ did at the cross 2,000 years ago. They all come from Christ being crucified. And if you're in this room tonight and you're trying to live life from your own personal strength, from your own endurance, from your own fortitude, there's going to be a day where you come short, that you fall short of what we are called to do. And that's to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it is Christ alone who is above all things. It is Christ alone who has lived, died, and rose again for us. And all we have to do is repent from that old life and turn to him. Place our faith in Christ. And we have a new life. We have a new life filled with faith, hope, and love that's filled with the knowledge of his will, that's filled with walking in a way that's pleasing to him. 
So as we enter into this new year, as we enter into 2022, the question is, do you ever, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Have you truly given your life over to him? I didn't ask the question if you've ever been to church. I didn't ask the question if you know a lot of Christians or know a lot about Christ. But have you truly given your life over to him? Have you placed your faith in him as your Lord and Savior? Because he is the only one worth bringing glory to. Because the other option that we have this year is that we bring glory to our own life. That we seek to grow our reputation or our status. But the truth is the only way to bring glory to God is to take steps in our faith with him. To grow in order that we make Christ's name known. For he is all and above all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are just so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for the love that you have for us, Lord, that we have an opportunity to enter into a relationship with you. Lord, we pray that if there is anyone in this room who has never given their life over to you, that they would do so tonight. Lord, that they would be reconciled to you by turning away from their sins and turning to you. Lord, we pray for all of us, Lord, if we do know you, Lord, that we would not be complacent with our walk. Lord, that we would take steps to know you more. That we would take steps to follow you and walk with you more. And Lord, that every part of our lives would bring you glory. Lord, we pray that we would not leave this place the same. But Lord, that we would leave this place going out, sharing this good news that you have given us. And Lord, that we would ask others to be reconciled to you. Lord, we love you so much. And it's your son's name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, uh, in this moment right now, I'm going to ask the band if y'all can just play for a couple minutes. We're going to enter into a time of reflection. I truly believe that anytime the word of God is opened, that we have a response to it. And we're going to spend the next couple of minutes, and I'm going to throw some questions up on the screen, just to reflect on this passage, to reflect on this word that Christ has given us. The first question that I just want you to think through and pray through tonight is how can you begin or how can you grow in the knowledge of the truth this year? The second is what area of your life do you need to change in order to walk in a gospel-worthy manner? And lastly, have you been delivered from darkness into light by placing your faith in Christ? And if not, will you do so today? We're going to spend the next few minutes in just prayer and just reflecting on these questions. And then they're going to play one more song. And during that song, you can do whatever you want to do. If you need to continue to pray, pray. If you want to praise God for what he's done in your life, praise him. But no matter what you do, respond to what God is saying to you right now.